What would it look like if Tuskegee joined the SWAC? What new matchups will we have to look forward to? And Dwayne Ross joins Tennessee after an historic run at North Carolina A&T. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day and when the mic cuts off the journey does not stop make sure that you are following me on twitter at south exclusives now i want to talk about tuskegee on yesterday's episode we talked about tuskegee athletic director demanding an apology out of nick saban we talked about the financial plan that could generate 1.5 million dollars of revenue for fcs hbcus but then the bomb was dropped in this fact that tuskegee's ad says they want to be a part of that $1.5 million because the school is coming up to the Division One level. That's the plan. So I want to see what would it look like if Tuskegee joined the SWAC. Now, I'll tell you the truth, full transparency. On a personal level, I want them to join the MEAC. We're going to look at what it looks like if they join the SWAC, but I want them to join the MEAC. The reason that I want them to join the MEAC is because the MEAC is low on members. I think that adding them would, A, expand the reach. It would be a, a big difference from where you typically see the MEAC schools at. And then also, I think it could motivate people to say, if somebody's joining the MEAC, then we could join it as well. It's not that bad. Maybe it's on its way up. All it takes is one, and then people start following, right? But then also, if another school in the in the in the SEAC decides that they want to elevate to the D1 level, you will already have Tuskegee there. So now with Tuskegee there, it's not as much of a everything that I'm saying about expanding your reach, it does not exist if Tuskegee's already there. Now you have somebody that Tuskegee can partner with. The travel is less. You have somebody who they can feel like it's close to them as opposed to everybody else, like a Norfolk state or something, you know? So I think that it, it provides a lot of opportunities, but Tuskegee's right there in Alabama, prime SWAC territory. It would make sense geographically for them to have to go to the SWAC. And just, just being honest, the SWAC would have to decide they want to expand as well. That is a part of this. It's not a situation where Tuskegee says, I want to go D1. They get to D1. I want to be in a SWAC. So boom, I'm in a SWAC. No, the SWAC has to actually extend an offer and feel like it's the best beneficial or best benefit to them. Now, one thing that would be required if that were to happen is they would have to bring a friend. You're not going to come in. You have to have an even number. The SWAC is a healthy division or a healthy conference with two divisions. You are going to need an even number. Let's look at what the conference looks at right looks like right now. You have Jackson State, Florida A&M, Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Mississippi Valley, and Bethune-Cookman all in the east. Then on the west side, you have Prairie View A&M, Alcorn State, Southern, Gramblings, Texas Southern, and then Arkansas Pine Bluff. Now, when you look at Alabama, 
and you see that the other two Alabama schools are on the east, it's only, you know, it's clear that you're going to have Tuskegee on the east as well. Now, when you have Tuskegee on the east, you run into, I don't want to call it a problem, but you're going to run into something, whatever you want to call it. Because I don't really think it's an issue. It's just the fact that all the schools that you're probably going to add are going to come in the east. And it's because I can't think of, off the top of my head, I can't think of any school on the D2 level. You know, you got Zay, you got Xavier in the NAIA, but they don't have a football team. And I don't know if they're trying to, you know, move up. I can't think of any schools west of Mississippi that are trying to move up. And you already have, like I said, Mississippi Valley and you have Jackson in the east. So you're going to have to have somebody west of Mississippi. Otherwise, you're going to have to start shuffling up how that division looks. But I think the perfect partner for them is Tennessee State. We know that Tennessee State is unhappy. We know that Tennessee State is ready to move. We understand that Tennessee State is looking at the OVC like you're not really built to last. We probably need to go. You don't want to be there when the conference is crumbling. You want to get out before the crumbling really begins. And I think they're looking at the OVC like, yeah, the crumbling is beginning, but we can get out right now. And I think that the swag is a place to go. I think that they would like to go to an HBCU conference. I don't have any backing on that. I think if they can't go, you know, FBS, I think they would like to return to an HBCU conference. The SWAC would be perfect for that. Tuskegee and Tennessee State partnering up, but you're going to have to move somebody from the east. You're going to have to. And Valley is slightly west of Jackson. It's really not that big of a difference, but geographically, they're slightly west. So I'm going to move them over there to the western uh, division with Alcorn. So you'll still have that Mississippi connection. But I was going to do it anyway, as long as it was close, because I get to have Jackson State and Tennessee State, basically the Southern Heritage Classic again and again and again. But we're going to get to that in other matchups that I'm looking forward to as we continue going with the same premise of Tennessee State and Tuskegee joining the swag. But before I get into that, let me tell you about Rock Auto, because Rock Auto is the best place for all of your car needs. You have a messed up windshield wiper. Go to Rock Auto. You have a messed up side mirror, go to Rock Auto. Your brakes messing up or it's getting ready to mess up. You better not be on your last leg with them brakes. Go ahead and go to Rock Auto. It's just that simple. I hate going to the auto parts store. And then when I get there, I know I need this part, but you only have one of this. No, I like to be able to pick between that one and that one and that one. I don't like being told I only can choose that one. I don't have that problem with Rock Auto. Another problem that I don't have is being uncomfortable with them continuous saying, oh, you need something, you need something. No, I'm taking my own time. Give me, give me some space. I'm in my own house. The prices are cheaper. These are just a multitude of reasons that you need to be choosing Rock Auto and fixing up on your car. It's the only place that I will possibly go. It's the only place that you need to possibly go. And make sure that when you go there, you tell them locked on in the how did you hear about us section. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
All right, so keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. I appreciate it. And make sure that you're checking out the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reaction, big game recaps, and then also the take of the day. You can get that on Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast at. It does not matter. It is located everywhere. Make sure you're checking it out. But let's continue going forward with the premise that Texas or that Tuskegee and Tennessee State are joining the SWAC, how things could impact that. Now, I want to look at the matchups that we're looking forward to. Understanding how the division is going to have to shake up, that's cool. Understanding that Mississippi Valley is likely going to move to the West if ever the SWAC decides to expand again, that's cool. All of that is great. But I want to talk about the, the game. I want to talk about what we're going to see. I said the game like uh like Triple H. But I want to understand what matchups that I'm excited for in this hypothetical world that I created. We're not going to go with any two teams that are currently in the SWAT. So I'm, you're not going to hear a, a Jackson State Alcorn. You're not going to hear a, a Texas Southern Alabama A&M. You're not going to hear that. You might hear some of those teams in the mix, but you're not going to hear those teams going against each other. Could we see that already? We're going to focus on new matchups that we could see with Tennessee State and then also Tuskegee joining the conference. Let's start off with the lead because I let out of last, or I ended last segment talking about it, so it's not right to just make y'all wait. You know what we're talking about. We are talking about Tennessee State versus Jackson State, and I think this would be the most anticipated new matchup by far. I don't really think that it's particularly close for a couple of reasons. One, it's not really a new matchup. These two reasons are kind of tied, so they're, it's not one or the other. Uh, or it's really one or the other, not one and two. And this isn't really a new matchup. It's a new matchup within the SWAC. So we haven't seen it there. But Jackson State and Tennessee State face each other every year. It's the Southern Heritage Classic. So it's not as if this is a game that you're going to have to build into because there's games that can either build into a rivalry, but then there's also games that you come in and I expect that to be something. Now, some of these games end up falling flat and it just doesn't happen that way. Most of these things have to be organic. You can't really force anything, but this is one of those games where they played enough. They know each other. They, the fans know each other. They face each other every year. Now, the other big reason that we're looking at this being an anticipated game is because look at who the head coaches are. You're looking at Jackson State being coached by Deion Sanders and Tennessee State being coached by Eddie George. This should draw in some ratings on a yearly basis, the two going against each other. I like it. Now, I don't know if Jackson State would want to do this because Jackson State is the one who is initiating leaving the Southern Heritage Classic. This is going to be the last year. They're done, right? But maybe not having to use an out-of-conference game makes them want to do it. And I could only imagine some Tennessee State fans being like, oh, y'all thought you were going to get rid of us, X, Y, and Z. We'll be coming for you. And I could see that even building into the, the, the hype of the game if this happens two years down the line, three years down the line, where you're looking at Tennessee State versus Jackson State going against each other for the first time in a couple of years. I could just see that hype coming back on, especially on the Tennessee State side of basically feeling like you're trying to toss us to the side or something. No, we're going to have this game. We're going to come and we're going to beat you as well. I can see that. Jackson State, Tennessee State fans, in the comments below, let me know how you feel about a Southern Heritage Classic game continuing 
but not having to use an out-of-conference game for it. Now, going as we keep going, excuse me, we're going to talk about Tuskegee versus Alabama A&M versus Alabama State. This is not a head-to-head matchup, but these three teams will be warring for the king of Alabama. Now, you have a couple of storylines in here. You're going to have, I don't want to call them the bullies, but you're going to have the big dogs, the guys who have already been here in Alabama State, Alabama A&M. They've been around. You can't tell me nothing about no Tuskegee. Little Tuskegee, I ain't worried about them. I'm Alabama a and I'm Alabama State. I'm not worried about them. But then you're also going to have Tuskegee, who's sitting there. I ain't no little Tuskegee. I'm a school coming up from the D2 ranks trying to earn my respect specifically. I can see them specifically trying to earn their respect amongst their peers within the state, saying, nah, you're not just going to run over us. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. So I can see that. And any time or the first time that they beat either one of those schools is an upset. And it's something I'm looking like, oh, Tuskegee knocked off AM. Like that's that's a big game, excuse me. Right now, let's get into our last one, and that's Texas Southern versus Tennessee State. I think this will be extremely underrated as far as new matchups. And for what it's worth, Texas Southern was TSU before Tennessee State was TSU. And it's about who's the real TSU. That's what I could hear at the beginning of this robbery. It's natural to me. As time goes on, you're going to be competing, saying, oh, well, we won this year and that year. It's continual bragging rights about who can say that they are the the TSU, not even the best. Who is the TSU? When you look at this, we just got done talking about the three Alabama teams going against each other and how organic that would be because geographically, they're all in the same state. This would have the same organic feel as if they were together in the same state because They are literally the same school when you just break it down. TSU Tigers, Tennessee State Tigers, Texas Southern Tigers. Who is the real TSU Tigers every year? Forget all of that founding and when the name changes, drop all of that. The history might sell at the beginning, but if you're looking at right now, I can see every single year. I already hear the back and forth about who's the real TSU. Imagine if these teams had to play every single year. Yes, Jackson State, Tennessee State, Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Tuskegee, they all have their own history or geographic origins of a rivalry. These two teams just have the fact that my name is your name. I want to have that name. I am the TSU. Y'all already know how I stand on it. But every single year we could have that war for who it is. I like that. That's my most underrated new rivalry. If Tuskegee and Tennessee State were to join the SWAC. That might be the best. That honestly might be the best. As long as the teams are performing up to par, that, that's my one. All right. So those are my three matchups. The War of Alabama, the Southern Heritage Classic, and then who is the real TSU? Now, going forward, we're going to be talking about a legendary uh, coach in Dwayne Ross. He is leaving North Carolina A&T, and he's going to be joining the Tennessee track and field team. Let's look back on what he left at North Carolina A&T positively, of course. Now, before we do that, I want to tell you about BetOnline because BetOnline is the best place for all of your sports wagering. Last night, we saw the Mavs come back. I thought it was going to be Warriors in four. I, I predicted a sweep, not at the beginning of the, of the series, but after it was three, I said, you know what? I don't think the, the, Mav, the Mavs got it, but they did. So what do you think is going to happen in game five? What's going to happen in game five of the 
Eastern Conference Finals. We're sitting at 2-2 in that in that series. So that's way more competitive. It could go either way. My boy JT went absolutely ballistic. Let's see what my guy Jimmy Butler is going to do in return. If you want to bet on the NBA, that's fine. You can bet on the NFL futures. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Who's going to win their division? All of these things. You can bet on the MLB, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games. You name it, they got it. It's just that simple. That's why you go to bet online because they are the most they are the most versatile in the business. I consider them the fastest and the easiest way to wage on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Let's discuss Dwayne Ross because he had a legendary historic run at North Carolina A&T, but he has decided to take his talents to Rocky Top. And what do we say? It's hard. It is difficult to keep a great HBCU coach. A lot of times we apply that to football. We apply that to, to basketball. We apply it to the big sports. But the truth of the matter is that reigns true for every single sport. And unfortunately, we just saw it rear his ugly head in track and field because Dwayne Ross is leaving the North Carolina A&T Aggies to go be a Tennessee volunteer. First off, congratulations to him. That's a big step, and I'm happy for him. But I can be disappointed that North Carolina ANT is not going to have one of the best track and field coaches in the nation anymore. But I wish him the best of luck. I know he's going to be great. I've seen what he's done in North Carolina ANT. They've seen what he's done in North Carolina ANT. So I completely understand why they would want him. I don't think it's difficult. I think it's more difficult to try to question why a school like Tennessee would want Dwayne Ross as opposed to understanding why they would. I would have a harder time coming up with the reasons why he would not be a desired candidate for all of these power five big time schools. I really would. I think that it's, it's an easy thing to see. Let's look at the statement that they put out, Tennessee put out. And he said, when researching the best track and field coaches in the world today, it doesn't take long to find a name like Dwayne Ross. This is what the director of athletics said, right? So he's built a profile that allows him to be incredibly selective in choosing his next move. Thankfully for us, the University of Tennessee has a track and field program with an extraordinary history of national championship teams, individual and dozens of of Olympians. Finding a coach with commensurate details was our priority, and Dwayne Ross is that coach. This ends a 10-year run. He's been there since 2012. This ends a 10-year run in North Carolina AT. And when you look at what he's done, like I said, it's quite clear. It's crystal clear on what they're getting. They're getting a coach that was absolutely phenomenal. He has his son, Randolph Ross, who has been has been dominant and I feel has brought North Carolina A&T to a national scale to where people look at them today like, oh, this is one of those schools. I think that that has been a lot of Randolph Ross and being at the Olympics and all of those things, but it's not just Ross. Yes, that's that's Dwayne Ross's son. He's had a long time to work with him and he's done a phenomenal job. And I, I guess if there's any marking of what a great coach would be, you would look at his son and say, oh, you that's your that's your kid and you raised him up to be this i guess that's a marker being one of the best 400 meter sprinters or 400 meter runners in the country in the world 
okay, yeah, let's bring on. But it's not just Lil Ross. It's not. There's a lot of other people that have succeeded under his reign or under his uh, coaching, right? So let's get into that. Let's talk about some of these other guys. Let's start off with Kayla Wright or Kayla White, excuse me. She won Division I Women's Track and Field Athlete of the Year. Christopher Belcher, Rodney Rowe, All-American Honors in three different events. They were the first ones to do that for North Carolina A&T. And before he got there, Coach Ross got there, there was no All-Americans. Then you see Desmond Lawrence was the first Aggie to ever get All-American honors. He has two Olympic gold medalists that he's coached. Like I said, Randolph Ross, he had the third fastest 400-meter time ever at outdoors, ever. I was actually surprised that this, this announcement didn't come after 2022's outdoors as well. I thought that maybe after the season this would have been named. And Ross is going to stay on in North Carolina and T until the end of the season. But I kind of would have expected this to be a, an announcement that happened a little bit later. But it doesn't matter because he's staying. It's not like he's abandoning the team. But as a team, could we just name a bunch of individual accolades and everything? As a team, they had they finished third in outdoors in 2021. In the 2022 indoors, they finished second. They also ranked number one in the nation this year at some point. Multiple points, actually. They got to one, dropped down to two, and they came back up to one. Both of those things, the finishing second in indoors this year and then being the number one team in the nation, were highs for HBCUs ever. That's how good he's been. In addition to that, just looking at him, he was a coach of the year. You have coaching respect as far as getting you know, credit for his achievements from his peers. You have individual success for his team, and you also have team success for the school. He has everything you could possibly want in a head coach. So I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. I wish him the best at Tennessee. I'm bummed to see him leave North Carolina, North Carolina A&T. But, hey, take your, your talents to Rocky Top and go ahead and be a great coach for their track and field program. And we will see what North Carolina A&T's next move is. Continue looking out for that. As you make Locked On Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow's episode, we're going to be looking at Tamika Reed, who says she has turned down offers to be a Power 5 coach so that she could stay loyal to Jackson State. We'll look at everything that she said and what it means going forward on tomorrow's episode. Now, make sure that you're looking, to, looking at Locked On ACC, Locked On SEC, Locked On Big 12, Locked On Pac-12 for your second listen of the day. And if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. That was terrible. At South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.